Hallelujah. The religious world has placed or tried to place bounds and restrictions and rules and laws as to how worship and the moving of the Holy Ghost ought to occur. There's history behind why, which I'm not going to go into. Some things happen in the religious world, in the Pentecostal religious world, back in the 60s and 70s, that brought about a fear of the move of God. You would think after that long, we wouldn't have that fear, we'd get past it. But for some reason, that fear is hanging around, and it's manifested itself in various cultures of Pentecost, even among oneness Pentecostals. And it passes itself off as wisdom. It passes itself off as all things done decently and in order. And I believe in decency and in order. But don't forget, 120 people were acting like drunk folk on the day of Pentecost. And that was decent and in order because it was an act of God. So I think it's time for Pentecost to redefine what's decent and in order. That it might not be out of order for us to shout. It might not be out of order for us to speak in tongues. It might not be out of order for us to be drunk in the Holy Ghost. They got accused of it. Praise God. And I don't want to, I'm not here to try to fight that particular battle. I'm just trying to here to make you understand. God's not always the one that changes the rules. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it was good for my father and his generation, if it was good for our grandfathers and great-grandfathers, if they could have an Azusa Street outpouring in the early 1900s, that'll spill out into the streets and have people speak Russian to Russian people, and they don't know Russian. Praise God. I believe God wants to do something in this day and an hour. And I think it's time for us to lose some bands. I think it's time for us to lose some chains, some heaviness, some rules that have been placed upon us by other people. And God is trying to do a work that involves the moving and the operation of His Spirit. He has not withdrawn His Spirit from His church. He has not ceased to pour His Spirit out upon the earth. He has not stopped the flowing and the manifestation and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. They're just as real today as they were back then. And God wants to do it not just in me, not just in your pastor, but God wants to do it in you. God wants to pour His Spirit out on you. God is ready for you to be free with the power of the Holy Ghost, to pray in the Spirit to worship in the Spirit, to dance in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 
And I'll admit there are times when I myself feel the pressure to back off, to hold back. To... But then something breaks loose in me. Something inside of me. I've grown up in this. And I can remember as a kid shouting to dance and I remember our pastor, my dad, having to stop things and make people go back just so he could preach to them. And I think that's how it ought to be. We ought to get so lost in the Holy Ghost. We ought to get so hungry for God that we're not afraid. I can't remember the last time I actually saw a victory march. Thank God there's still churches that remember what a victory march is. Hallelujah. Thank God for progress. Let's have progress. But let's not sacrifice anything, progress included, for the moving and the operation of the Spirit. God might want someone to be slain in the Holy Ghost before this service is over. And if you don't know what that is, hang around. You might experience it or see it before this service is over. God might want somebody to get so lost in the Holy Ghost that you leave this house speaking in tongues and they got to cart you home in the back seat. I remember we had a young girl got so lost in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, they took her to the restaurant. She tried to speak English and she couldn't because she was so lost in the Holy Ghost. What am I saying? I'm saying it's founded, our movement, the Pentecostal movement is founded both from Acts chapter 2 and from recent outpouring, early Pentecost in the early 1900s. It was founded and based upon the moving and the operation of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2 and it became the defining event for the early church. The Holy Ghost fell in Topeka, Kansas and Azusa Street and other places and it became the defining work of the Pentecostal church that we have today. We don't need to change it. We don't need to transform it. We just need to let God have his way. We need to let God have his way. Can somebody shout? Can somebody lift your voice? God's going to begin. You can stand or sit or whatever you want to do. God's going to begin to do a work in this church greater than what you're seeing and experiencing now. God's going to take the anointing and the power that rests and resides on this church and it's going to increase and it's going to get greater and it's going to get deeper because that is the will and the plan of God. God doesn't want us to stay on the level where we're at. God wants us to go higher. He wants us to go deeper. There's going to be a deeper anointing. There's going to be a deeper move of God, which means there's going to be deeper and greater demonstrations because what happens in the spirit on the inside has a manifestation on the outside. That's why we speak in tongues initially when we receive the Holy Ghost. What happens on the inside has an outward manifestation. So as God begins to move within a church and moves deeper and greater and more powerful, there's going to be deeper and greater and more powerful moves of God in our churches. Praise God. Praise God. Is anybody hungry for it tonight? 
we we fight. I'm just I'm just talking. I'm just. We fight battles. We fight sin and we fight temptation and distractions and several of those old preachers used to say, you get a good good revival to solve a lot of stuff. Good move of the Holy Ghost to make you want to put some stuff aside. Praise God. Now, I'm not against drawing lines and setting boundaries and preaching holiness and saying we should do this when the Bible says we should and following these biblical principles of things that are happening in our church culture, and I believe in all that. But I'm telling you, when you let God start moving in your life, God helps you just, you just lose interest. That's just really what happens. You just lose interest. All of a sudden, you want more of God because when you get a mark on, the, on God by His Spirit, God marks you with a divine demonstration of the Holy Ghost. You don't ever forget that. You don't ever forget that. It marks you for life. And then it starts a quest in your heart. God, I want something greater. And I'm willing to lay this aside if I have to lay that aside. And I've got to lay this aside if I'm willing to do it. That's what it takes. Because I want to be marked by your spirit. And I want to go as deep in the Holy Ghost as I can get. The Bible likens the liberty that we have in the spirit to the most holy place in the tabernacle of the Old Testament. They had the outer court. They had the holy place, and they had the most holy place, which was the innermost room of the Old Testament tabernacle. It was the most important place in the temple, in the tabernacle. It was the place where God's presence dwelt. God's presence was not in the holy place. It was not in the outward court. I mean, he fills the expanse of the universe, and so in that sense it was. But in terms of his dealings and speaking to his people, God did it in the most holy place, even more specifically, from the mercy seat. In the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. That's where God's presence dwelt in the Old Testament. That's where God spoke to the high priest and to Moses in the Old Testament. Everything happened in that most holy place. The New Testament likens the liberty that we have in the Spirit, not to the outer court where the brazen altar was and where the brazen labor was. That's pretty important, but it isn't liken it to that. Not to the holy place where the table of showbread was and the seven golden candlesticks and the ark, and the ark of incense, altar of incense, which would have been a very good thing to typify the Holy Ghost by, but that's not what he likened it to. He likened it to the most holy place beyond the veil where the ark of the covenant was. Why? Because that's where the presence was. That's where the spirit is. The problem is a lot of churches and a lot of people are content to hang around the outer court. All they want to do is talk about repentance and trying to straighten their life up. And some people, they'll take it a step further and go to the holy place where the table of showbread is and talk about the need for light. Those things are important. I'm not against it. But let me tell you, the full and complete work cannot happen in your life till you get to the most holy place where Paul said, that's where the liberty is. The liberty's not in the brazen altar. The liberty's not in the brazen labor where the priest washed. And that's a, that's a type and a shadow of baptism. We need it. 
Thank God for it. But that's not where Christ makes us free. It's not at the table of showbread. Jesus is the bread of life. We've got to have the bread. It's not at the seven golden candlesticks. Thank God for light. It was the only light in the temple. We need that. It wasn't the altar of incense, which represents the prayers of the saints. It was where the Spirit was, where the Spirit of the Lord is. That's where liberty is. Thank God for repentance. we got to have it. Thank God for water baptism. If you've never been baptized, baptized in Jesus name you need to make sure you do it tonight but that's not where it stops it's when you get in the spirit and the spirit gets in you that's where you get liberty like you've never had before can you clap your hands to the Lord So when I see people that seem to not be experiencing liberty, (laughs) the solution is simple. Get in the Spirit. Get in the Spirit. Oh, Lord, help me. Now, I'm not here to make anybody uncomfortable if this is your nature as, as a rule, despite my appearance right now. I'm a typically shy individual. I'm laid back. You ask my wife. I'm an introvert. I'd, I'd rather hang off in a corner with a cup of coffee somewhere and let everybody else do the talking. That's just how I am. But something got a hold of me when I was a teenager. In the words of Paul, that which I was seeking to apprehend, apprehended me. (laughs) And it got in me. And I learned the power of praise and worship. The Bible puts the obligation on our shoulders. God's not going to drag you into the most holy place. God told Moses, build the temple like this, build the tabernacle like this, and they built it. God's presence came where the Ark of the Covenant was. But it was the responsibility of the priest to take the blood and to go into the most holy place. If the priest got distracted or if the children of Israel fell into sin or if they decided they wanted to worship some other God, God was ready and waiting. But he did not ever drag them into the most holy place. He showed them what it was. He taught them how to get there. He told them the importance of that. But then the power was in their hands, whether they wanted to get there or not. Jesus, on several occasions, told people that came to him for miracles, according to your faith. According to your faith. I mean, this is the, think about this. This is the God of creation. This is the God of glory, God incarnate. The Father come in flesh, in the spirit, all power given unto him he could have said according to my power he could have said according to my love according to my grace according to my mercy but he didn't say that he put the ball in their court according to your faith 
only on a couple of occasions did he actually go to people where they were. And most of the time when he did, it was by invitation. You look at his miracles, he's not seeking them out. They're seeking Jesus out. He's not going door knocking. I'm not against door knocking. But he's not knocking on doors saying, I'm a healer. Would you like a healing today? He presented itself. He made it available. He opened the door. If they came to him in faith, he did not refuse. And only on a few occasions did he actually go to them. And usually it was because maybe they could not. Like Jairus' daughter was dead, so Jairus invited Jesus to his house. Okay? What am I saying? I'm saying God has presented it to you. God has made this available to you. You have access to this. You can walk through the door at any time you want and get what you need from God. But God's not going to drag you kicking and screaming into his presence. If you don't want it, he's not going to force it on you. He's not going to make you dance. Although he said, praise him with a timbrel and a dance. He's not going to make you lift your voice. Although he did say, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He's not going to make you clap your hands. Although he said, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. He gave these commands. He's not going to tell you, use music and instruments to praise instruments and organs but he doesn't make us do all those things we could walk in the house of God and say I don't think we want music tonight let's just shut it down let's all stand around and hold hands and what did he do he gave us the command praise you the Lord praise God in his sanctuary praise him in the firmament of his power praise him for his mighty acts Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Brother, if we all did that, I ought to just stop and preach on that for a while, shouldn't I? Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Can you measure his greatness? Do you have the ability to measure his greatness? Can you define how great God really is? Can you even begin to understand how great he is? And yet he said, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him on the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him on the loud cymbals. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. The command is there. He even described. How to do it. Use a timbrel. Make sure you dance. Lift your voice. Shout unto God. Here's reasons why. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him for his mighty acts. He gave you what you needed.
Bible, not one place in Scripture anywhere does the Bible or God condemn exuberance in worship. There's not one place in the Bible that says it's too much. You took it too far. It's too exuberant. Quite the contrary. The woman came in with an alabaster box and broke it over Jesus and it was exuberant worship. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, came in weeping and washing the feet of Jesus and it was exuberant worship. Not only did Jesus not condemn it, but Jesus said, speaking, I believe, of Mary, everywhere the gospel is preached, this that she has done is going to be told. Not only did he not condemn it, but he made sure his preachers, his apostles, and his church knew, you'd better preach about this exuberant worship. You better tell people how this lady interrupted our supper one night when she wasn't even invited and came and worshipped me in a way nobody had ever before. He didn't condemn it. He didn't put it down. He didn't say it was too much. He magnified it. Why? God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Yeah. 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 Woo! I wish a few of you young men learned how to get a war hoop. I wish a few of you to get your dancing shoes on. I wish a few of you to resurrect on how to run the aisles with your eyes open. Holy Ghost hit me one time, and I started dancing in the Holy Ghost. And next thing I know, pow! Dance right into one of the pillars of the church. So lesson learned. Keep dancing, but do it with your eyes open. Is that really necessary? That is the question of the decade. Is it really necessary? Do you want to stay in the outer court? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you want to stay in the holy place? The the brazen altar, the brazen labor, the table of showbread, the seven golden candlesticks, the altar of incense, even the veil itself, were all precursors. Things that the priest used to lead them into the most holy place. Those things were not an end in and of themselves. They were meant to lead the priest into the most holy place. The God did not make atonement at the brazen altar. God atoned the sins of his people 
in the most holy place where his spirit that's why we've got to be filled with the spirit that's why we've got to live in the spirit you want to know is it necessary i've got to keep my flesh crucified i've got to keep my flesh under subjection i've got to make sure pride and arrogance doesn't rule the day So I shout, not just to kill my pride, but to let God know I'm getting past the brazen altar. I'm getting past the brazen labor. I'm getting past the table of showbread, the candlesticks, and the altar of incense. Because when this service is over, I want the Holy Ghost to have washed over me so strong, I'll never forget it as long as I live. It's time to redefine praise and worship. I was preaching one time on worship. People weren't. You guys are responding pretty good. This church was not responding very well. I was getting a little frustrated. Finished my message and I had everybody stand. And before I had a chance to give the altar call, now this has been 12, 13 years ago. I think he's since passed on to be with God. At this time, he was 80-something years old. Pop. That's what they called him. Pop fought in World War II. Pop still had shrapnel in his body from World War II. It didn't stop him. He was still very active and busy. He lived by lake. He'd get out and fish and throw out trout lines, all this stuff. Before I had a chance to give the altar call for my message, Pop, sitting on the second pew, stepped out, 80-something years old, walking with a cane. No invitation. Nobody else was up at the front. Nobody was doing anything. I didn't ask him to do this. I didn't hint. I didn't insinuate. It was all him. Stepped out. Came to the front, right in the middle, right in front of the pulpit. Laid his cane down. Got on the floor, 80-something years old. Shrapnel in his body. And began to roll on the floor. And I watched as healthy men and healthy women sat there. (laughs) I got a little angry. I had to turn my face to the wall because I I was afraid of what I was going to say. But you know what happened? This is simple. This isn't, okay? We, we happened, during that revival, we happened to be staying in a trailer that Pop owned. And it was next to the trailer that he and his wife Essie lived in. Usually we would see Pop out and about, getting on his boat, out in the yard, Pop called me one day and wanted me to come over. So I came over and Pop was uncharacteristically sitting on the couch. He didn't do this during the day. He didn't sit. He was in a lot of pain. Sometimes the pain from shrapnel in his body would rise up. And it was hurting him pretty bad that day. He said, Brother Bean, I'm really, I'm in a lot of pain. I want you to pray. So I just prayed a little simple prayer. God, Pop's been faithful to you. 
I'm asking you to touch him. About 30 minutes passed by, he got a call, or I got a call. Brother Bean, the Lord's touched me. I got to feeling so good. I baked you a couple pies. I want you to come pick them up. If Pop was willing to do that for God. Now that's a simple example. When you're willing to push past your flesh for God, that's the point. That's the answer to the question, is it really necessary? Because it's pushing past the barriers you and others have placed. There was a barrier for the Syrophoenician woman. There were multiple barriers for the Syrophoenician woman. Her daughter was possessed with a devil. It was not even her dispensation. Jesus said it. I'm only here for the Jews. I'm not here for the Gentiles. And he said it. You know the story. He said, it's not me to give the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. He wasn't necessarily insulting her. What he was telling her is, it's not your time. That's right. This dispensation is a particular time period that God works and operates, such as the Old Testament law. God operated and worked in a certain way through the temple and the tabernacle. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost ushered in a new dispensation, a dispensation of grace that we're still living in today. Which means God is still pouring the Holy Ghost out because we're living in that same time period. It was not her time, but she pushed past that and said, Yay, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the... What was she doing? She found her barrier. She found her wall and pushed past it with exuberance and faith. Is it necessary? If you want a breakthrough... If you want God to change some things, there I am convinced from the bottom of my heart, there are some things God will not change until we change. There are some miracles God will not perform until we get exuberant and passionate about Him. Because He will not pour out His Spirit on lukewarm, mediocre children of God. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for a fire in your eyes. He's looking for a passion in your voice. He's looking for something that says, I'm not going to think about A lot of people think I spend a lot of time thinking about what does my neighbor think? What does this person think? What is that person going to think? What if I do this? How are they going to respond? You're spending way too much time thinking about what somebody else in here is going to think. You need to start thinking about how's God going to respond when I respond to him. When I get in his presence, I don't think about what other people are doing. I think about the fact God is in this house, and I'm with God, and I want to connect with God in a way I've never connected before. So I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth because that's what the Father's looking for. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers. Oh, Jesus. God's going to do it. God's going to pour his spirit out. There's going to be a supernatural move of God in this church. God's going to send angels to this church. He's going to send angels to this church. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's going to fight battles for you. He's going to fight battles for you. 
Meet us in this house tonight, O oh God. Meet us in this house tonight, O oh God. Show up in this place right now. Transform us and change us into your image. You know what that verse says? Right after Paul got finished talking about how the veil has been torn and we are now, we now have access to the most holy place. A few verses later, it says, But we all with open face, as beholding in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. How? Even as by the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost. When we get in His presence, something happens in our spiritual image. God gives us a picture through His Spirit and through His Word of what kind of glory He wants us to have in Him. And then His Spirit takes us and changes us into the image we see of God. And it happens by the Holy Ghost. So every time you worship, every time you pray in the Holy Ghost, every time you weep, every time you lay across the altar and allow the Spirit of God to flow through you, you know what it's doing? It's changing you from glory to glory, from level to level, from dimension to dimension. God changes us by the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? That means when you're dancing in the Spirit, you're not just getting exercise. When you shout in the Spirit, you're not just exercising your voice. You're letting the Holy Ghost change you. You're letting the Holy Ghost transform you. Stand to your feet tonight. found I've not got this mastered but I have found as I preach messages like this there are people that want it and they're hungry for it and they see it and they desire it 
but they don't know what next step to take. Now, I'm not against orchestrating as the pastor orchestrated a victory march. I think we need that. There are times when the preacher's going to say, let's all lift our hands. There's going to be times when the man of God's going to say, let's all jump and shout. And that's good, and we need that. But in moments like this, when God is trying to change us by His Spirit through praise and worship, if I tell you what to do, you're doing it because I asked and not because of a change in a desire in your heart. So we're left with a quandary because I don't want to direct you because it's got to come from you. You have to respond. I may tell you, brother, said I'm not telling you to do this, but I may tell you to run the aisles. But in your heart, that may not be what you're feeling. Or that may not even be what God is asking you to do. God may be asking you to dance, or you may feel just to sprawl out on the floor and weep before God. It's got to come from within your heart, and you have to respond. Now, I'm not going to address the other side of that, the decency and an order, and we need that. But I don't think we've even come close to that right now. In other words, what I'm saying is you've got to come up in your mind and in your heart how you're going to break through that. The woman with the issue of blood, she came up with the idea on her own. I'm going to press through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. The Syrophoenician woman came up with the idea on her own. I'm going to tell him that even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. The ball was in their court. It was according to their faith. And God met them where their faith was. So you've got to come up with how you're going to break through this. <laughs> I used to say it. I used to say this all the time. I wish, I wish every church, I wish every church had mechanical arms that would reach down and grab a hold of the pews and yank them out. And then somebody told me, he said, there's a better idea. You just need to have a hole in the floor that when it's time, it just, they just fall through in the floor. Why? Because some of y'all are hiding behind those pews. Right? <laughs> if we didn't have no pews, you might feel a little more liberty. Because it takes a little bit of effort for somebody that's not used to it. See, this is the safe zone. This is the danger zone. Here I'm safe. Nobody can get me. Now I'm open and vulnerable. I'm exaggerating, but you get the point? It takes a little bit of faith for somebody that's not used to it. It takes a little, oh, I don't know. Some of y'all want it, but y'all don't want to be the first one. So let me just go ahead and help you out. Yes, Lord. 
You do what you feel. I'm not asking you to mimic what I'm doing. I'm just asking you to break through your barrier. I'm asking you to break through your wall. I'm asking you to do what you feel the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. If you feel to weep, go weep. If you feel to jump and shout, jump and shout. If you feel like raising your voice and shouting unto God, you do that. But you let the Spirit move through you in praise and worship. Let the Holy Ghost change you.